I'm happiest in the saddle. <laughs> A fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello, and welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this time, dear listeners, we are jumping all the way back to 1994 because it's Halloween. What are we reviewing, George? What's it called and who gave us it? So uh, obviously, we, Charlie and I, we've always talked about we're not the biggest horror fans. So this is more of a sort of horror action film, I would say. So we are doing The Crow by Alex Proyas and obviously starring the late, great Brandon Lee. To me, it's more goth than horror, brother. Gothic action is that, is it a niche? Yeah, comic, okay. go, it's a comic book adaptation. So, go, gothic comic book adaptation. How about that? Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. But no, a very big film. Um, they've been trying to remake it. They have remade it. They've tried it in the series. Anyway, we'll, we'll probably get to that. There's going to be lots. I don't think there's going to be any impressions. There's probably going to be some uh, reactions or funny childhood memories. I'm going to give it my best at some impressions. There's some impressions over. In, okay, in sorry. So you heard, you heard it here first. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be some impressions. So if you've listened to Retro Ramble before, you know exactly what to expect, especially from a 90s film for George and I, because we were very impressionable. But if you haven't listened to an episode before, George... What would newcomers, what should they expect? We are a an, an little independent film podcast, so Charlie and I are brothers. And the premise of this podcast is us going back, revisiting the films that we grew up with and just seeing um, what how they came to be, you know, what the production stories were, how what their legacies they left were, you know, were they turned into a franchise were they have they been rebooted remade uh, spun off into a tv series what made them so great have they aged like a fine wine or have they you know dated terribly um so yeah it's, it's a fun light-hearted look back um there will be some trivia thrown in but yeah as charlie warned there'll there'll be probably some bad impressions um and some childish humor um, maybe some childish language as well so you have been warned just george and i tapping back into that very immature age that we were so usual features maybe some uh coulda woulda shoulda there may be some suspicious spin-offs or whatever else we can come up with between oh for sure there there will be there will be Uh, of course there will be uh but without further ado uh are we gonna hit the trailer our thoughts on the film to come after the trailer let it go george okay There is a legend that a crow can carry a soul back from the dead to seek justice and put the wrong things right. You move your dead. I'm dead. And I move. Brandon Lee. It's not a good day to be a bad guy. The Crow rated R. Um, so, uh, George, how do we get this film? How do we get here? It is, I say, a, a comic book adaptation. So the comic book uh, by James O'Barr first came out in 1989. 
Apparently, Obar wrote uh, the first issue. It's quite sort of quite a, a tragic origins. Uh, so he wrote the first issue as a way to cope with uh, the tragedy he went through when his fiance was killed by a drunk driver. And I think there's plenty. There's plenty of tragedy in this film. Yeah. And, so. Well, that's it. There's. It's you know there is a lot of tragedy in the, in this film and and is linked to this film. Um, it went through various sort of uh, drafts of the script. It was picked up by uh, producer Edward R. Pressman, whose name has come up previously in Retro Ramble. He was uh, an executive producer on Masters of the Universe. But he's, also, he's been like, he's, he's still going now. He's been around for like 40 odd, 50 years. And just some of the like varied films I, I, I picked out of a hat. So Masters of the Universe, Street Fighter, Judge Dredd, but then he's also done Bad Lieutenant and American Psycho. So very varied. Yeah, but obviously big hard on for comics, right? Yeah, I suppose so. Um, yeah, this is directed by Alex Proyas. This is his his directorial debut. So, so George, you're the brain on this podcast. Why is that name familiar to me? So before. Um, so well I, i'll get there so like many other um r- retro ramble directors we've talked about his background came from commercials and music videos so he did music videos for he's an australian director he did uh, music videos for in excess and crowded house before making the leap to um this feature but he would go on to do one of our favorite films and sort of similar thematically uh, dark city Absolutely. Uh, and he would also do iRobot. I'd say they're probably... I enjoyed that as well. Two I think of his I, biggest films. Have you read the the original books on iRobot? A long f- time ago when I was young. No, the film's better. Like, whatever you want to say about the film about being derivative or we've seen this before, or blah, blah, blah. Will Smith's good in it. And when you read the books, that it's actually a better... It does more with the, you know, the rules of... yeah. Robots. It it gives you a better story than the original did. So well, it's, it's, it's one I, film. It's I was, a real improvement. I was thinking I want to go back because it's a very. I like the sort of the future sci-fi in it. I like the. It's a bit like Minority Report. They've put yeah. a lot of thought to the production design. Um, while it might be some blatant uh, product placement with, oh, this is the Audi of the future. I kind of liked they'd put that thought into it. Yeah, I think all, all the way through, and like he wants, he wants to wear Converse, drives an Audi. Um, yeah, and but it's a beautiful, beautiful movie, and it's good sci-fi. So yeah, it's, you, yeah, it's slick. Um, unfortunately, yeah, Alex Press is kind of. Yeah, I think that was his sort of high point, his peak, and then he did Knowing with Nicolas Cage, which is. Have you seen that? I have it. I'm trying to think. Is it based on a Philip K. Dick? I think it is. So I, it's on my is list. This where he knows what's going to happen, but he doesn't realize that he's actually part of why it's going to happen. So it's like, I can yeah, he, he kind and of, then he goes there and then he makes it happen. There's some sort of code that he deciphers or something, but it's supposed to be fairly decent. I, I, it's one of those films I keep thinking, oh, I should really watch at some point, but I just haven't got around to. And then he did uh, Gods of Egypt with uh, Gerard Butler, which was supposed to be a right stinker. And he hasn't done anything since then. But just doing a quick search, he actually did a short film last year that is linked to the Dark City universe. So I'm going to try and dig that out because that interests me. 
Okay, so um, that's in terms of the director, but like, in, tell us a bit about because uh, the reason I bring this up, listeners, is that when this film came out, I'd say this film and others like it of that er- of that era propelled George into his interest in film. Wouldn't you say, George, that this film really impressed upon you? And got yeah, you I mean, this this was a huge film for me and my friends. How, how old were you? You were well, 11, pro- 11 I, 12? I would have been 12 when I would have saw, seen it because obviously I, I would have been too young to see it at the cinema. Yeah, so um, all you all you Harry Potter fans out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I would have been yeah probably 12, 13 when it came out on video. But yeah, it was a big movie for me and my friends. Um, obviously, good friend of the. Is that because you all dressed like goths? Uh, <laughs> I I didn't really go through a goth goth phase as as I was a chubby teenager. I couldn't really pull off the goth look. However, one Halloween I did go as the crow, and yeah, I just didn't pull off that same sort of you know lean mean look that Brandon Lee does. As I say, it was just Brandon ago. Lee, Hugh Jackman, Bruce Lee, spectacular six pack. No, for some no. reason. No, yeah. I was I was just a you know chubby blonde teenager with bad makeup, but yeah, it was a very impressionable film for for us growing up because I think it, you know um, obviously it was kind of a bit like you know it was a comic book film, but it was really violent and it was but in very stylishly so, and it has had a great soundtrack and it was yeah that sort of as you're becoming a teenager and you're rebelling, him appearance, him alive. Uh, it kind of tapped into I'm that. I'm going to go start a fight. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. I just need, I need to chip in here and say my my wife uh, agrees with you and she wanted to chip in and say that The Crow is a very, what she said, the way she described him was a very important film of her youth. So, um, okay. Yeah. So she, she was like, so we're going to watch it? I'm like, I've already watched it for the podcast, but I would love to watch it again with her just to see her reacting to it or, after all this time yeah. and that's all do you, I mean you know, I think you and I would do that wouldn't you you'd watch a film one night and then you'd watch it with somebody else just to experience watching it with that person you know, yeah that's... yeah definitely and it, it's um, it's a the very crow, much the, the Crow is one of those films it's a very much a 90s film but in a good way I think it you know it's I say in terms of the soundtrack in terms of the direction of it the, 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 the you know the, the eclectic cast but yeah I the don't know the why economy, the economy of the screen time yeah, the yeah. The running true. time is very, very one, one hour, hour forty. 40. Yeah, hour, yeah. I mean, and it gets a lot done, and it doesn't feel baggy. Like, I feel like it's a two-part film. Yeah, you get my meaning. Rather than if it, we're not one of the guys. It's gonna have a three-part structure. I just feel like what's with? I think I saw this at the cinema, and whenever it's brought, and then as I was growing up, people would mention. I was like, yeah, it's. A, I couldn't remember why I thought it was a good film. And every time I watch it, I feel like I'm. I've forgotten, and I'm remembering why it's such a good film. But do you know what I mean? You walk away from it, and maybe it's because the way we categorize it, because it's kind of, it's an action. It kind of feels like Tim Burton's Batman. It's an actiony sort of stylistic film from the '90s that you enjoyed, but it's not. It's 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 hard to explain. Well, yes, it, as you say, it's, it's got a bit of everything. There are obviously yeah, horror elements. There, there, there is. It's a comic book film. It's very, for me, it was very reminiscent of Tim Burton's Batman with the sort of like the sweeping cityscapes, you know, the, the use of miniatures and stuff like that, mad paintings and stuff. Yeah, um, and. Um, yeah, it has a bit, you know, obviously it has a bit of action towards the end, you know, obviously well, it was ha- action throughout, but it really ramps up towards the end. You know, you've got 
you know, Brandon Lee jumping around with twin pistols, which was, you know, very big, big in the 90s. But this very feels John like... Woo, but you see him doing the Bruce Lee flips and stuff. Yeah, like... exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think it just had a lot for, for a teenage... But I'm not sure why it was... It resonated with me and my friends more than it did with with you. Obviously, you know, there's only a few years between us, but it just seemed like it was, yeah, a very cool film uh, at the time. I, for me, I see a lot of similarities between this and Sim, uh, Sin City in that, like, these films come out, you realise they're one-offs. I know they've gone back to Sin City, which yeah. wasn't that bad. I know they've been trying to go back to The Chrome. We'll get on to that later. But, like, these sort of films, I don't know, they just felt a certain way. They just have a certain feel about them and like whereas i thought i thought it was like yeah it's it's kind of like a grungy sort of like thing but for me what i love about this film is how it's shot the cinematography yeah. like let's talk about that that first scene where he's squaring off against uh tintin just the fact that you see the knife like flying through the air and the other one and you you, you really believe that both of them are doing it when in fact all you see is the knife being thrown and arriving so, yeah <laughs> like so but it's so cut together so well and this is what you say about music video or advert background when you make an advert you've got 30 seconds or a minute. Yeah. You've got 15 seconds, 30 seconds max, sometimes a minute, you know, just for a promo. And then music videos, what, three minutes, four minutes, you know, five minutes top. So, yeah. you know, like you've got to say a lot in a very short amount of time. So I think that's why we've talked about the Ridley Scott, both the, um, you know, both the Scott brothers. Michael Bay. That's, no, but it, yeah. in, in you know, some ways, good, it's, good and bad, you know, he's, he's a very visual storyteller. Well, let's go back to the origins of cinema. We, we go there to be entertained, you know, so that's why I think, uh, who was it? Um, was it Scorsese called out against Marvel? Said, okay, be angry about what's going on, but like, don't disrespect the fact that it's like people actually like going to the cinema and getting nonsense like that. Yeah. You know, they want the serious stuff, but we love they, the nonsense. Yeah. They, they want escapism. Yeah. Apparently, Alex Porras wanted to make the film. So the, the comic book is all in black and white. And both him, uh, both Alex Porras and Brandon Lee were keen to make it in black and white. And obviously, the studio were like, no way. But he, as a Logan, result... The Logan Cut says otherwise. Well, the Lo yeah, the Logan Cut, um, Sin City. So he stripped it back, the colour scheme, to make it as monochromatic as possible. Um, so that's why it is a very, very dark film, because he and, you know stripped all that colour really away. There's obviously a bit of neon lighting and obviously fire and stuff like that, but it's, it's really but it's dialed it's all black back. and grey. Yeah, it's so gothic. Yeah, and always It's raining. more gothic than, than Batman. It's like it's a superhero type vigilante type thing. Well, I, I think one of the... Darker the, than, rainier than Batman. Well, so. I think that was one of the taglines. I remember... I th did I have the poster? I can't remember if I had the poster on the wall. You did, no, no, you did. I remember and, you, and, you and, had and, like and, a T2, you had a crow. I had, I had um, several Batman posters. And I think uh, you had a few music ones as well. The, the tagline, or one of the taglines was, darker than the bat. <laughs> Obviously, sort of like, we're, we're darker than Batman. Come see us. Adam West says otherwise. Adam Wee. So, yeah, there, there's a few uh, changes from the comic book. So 
apparently Eric's a mechanic in the comic book, and this was he was changed to a musician. I prefer Rockstar. I, I think uh, it's yeah. more in line with the soundtrack and the movement. Well, yeah, apparently, what about uh, grunge rock? Apparently, there's a lot of music references in the comic, so that's why they're just like, oh, well, to honor that, we'll just turn him into a rock star. No, but uh, I think, I guess from the comics, the guitars from the comics, the fact that he's going around with his guitar, he's yeah. playing sound of buildings, it's like, I don't know. I was like, that's very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Is it, it's imagery. You know, it's like, yeah, it's atmospheric. Imagery. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, oh, he's also a rock star. He kicks ass for the crow and he's also a rock, a rock star. star. So uh, James O'Barr, the guy who created comic, apparently had some uh, input. I think he was like uh, as down as a creative consultant and has was involved in the casting process. Obviously, I'll get on to the people that didn't make the cut later but when Brandon Lee's name came up he was like oh I'm not sure about him it's just he's going to turn it into a martial arts action movie but then he actually met Brandon Lee and he's like Brandon Lee knew the comic back to front and was quoting it back to him he's like oh right this guy you know could be brilliant he he really knows his stuff Get, just in getting into production a bit, so the film was uh, filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina that has come up uh, previously on Retro Ramble because it was where they filmed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and they also filmed JCVD Cyborg. Does uh, that house feature? The house ha- doesn't feature, but Top Dollar's nightclub is the same as Shredder's hideout in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay, so, there you go. So, so there you go. But one of the reasons, so this film, as we, we talked about, was it's kind of been you know, labelled as a cursed film. But they filmed one of the reasons they filmed in North Carolina was because of it's a right to work state. So it's got relaxed filming laws. So it basically means because it was a a low budget production, meaning the producer can get away with pay conditions and production schedules that would normally be refused by the unions in Hollywood. So basically, they had people, they had them working for longer in all sorts of conditions. Apparently, a hurricane destroyed the sets, so they had to move to like night shoots. And usually, the production are given like you know at least a day or two to to adapt to that. But they went straight into it. Apparently, it was absolutely freezing conditions, and they had to de-ice the um, the dolly tracks and stuff because the, the they were just frozen shut. I think Brandon Lee almost had hypothermia at at some point. Um, it does look pretty fresh there. Yeah, um, there were several accidents that befell uh, production. What do you mean, apart from the killing? So, but yeah, but even before the 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 death of your, your leading man, which we'll get on to, a carpenter suffered serious burns when he's, he hit a power cable. Um, somebody managed to stab the hand uh, with a screwdriver. An equipment truck burst into flames. Uh, a stuntman. It's almost like it was cursed. And a disgruntled set sculptor went berserk and drove his car through one of the prop rooms. Um, I'm not insane. On, on top of, uh, yes, I say a hurricane destroying uh, the sets as well. Uh, what do you, what, what was it like going back and watching it again today? When was, oh, so I should, preamble question. Uh, I think we've covered pretty much first memories, but when was the last time you watched this film, do you think? So I do own it on DVD, DVD, but I think it was probably one of the first DVDs. I've had the DVD for a good 15 years, I reckon. 
I haven't watched it for for a good long while. I would say I've, I probably haven't watched it for about at least ten years. Has but your opinion changed? Like, no, what? no, it was amazing. I, I mean, again, it, for me, it's like one of those. You know, a lot of the films we've talked about that I've seen it so many times. You know, I remember all, all the dialogue comes flashing back, all the musical cues come back. So yeah, for me, it was. It was pure nostalgia. It was memories of joy watching it and just reveling in 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 it, you know, in it all. And just I yeah, forgot how good it is. You know, it is uh, really, and that's one of the reasons why I was like so keen. I think I say it was one of the first DVDs I, I probably bought. We always remember the ones we bought. Like sometimes I, we talked about some other episodes where we're faced with things. You're gonna buy on DVD, but you've already got it in video. It's like yeah, but. You know, because I bought one, I've got to buy the other. But no, I think it's 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 a weird it's a weird thing with the film like this. Like you you remember the time, you remember what you went through. You know, it's, it's what 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 about you? How, when was the last time you saw it? Oh, a long time ago. Like uh, I remember. I think if I'm completely honest, I probably gave this short shrift when it was out. I don't know what was going on. I don't know, but I was like, I. I think it was because it looked to me like so much like Batman. I was like, it's not Batman. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's a cheap imitator sort of type thing. No, but I think the thing is, to put it in perspective, I saw this. So when I saw it at the cinema, I was like, meh. Or I was like, maybe I didn't see it at the cinema. It was one of those things like where like the film got pieced together over the years, but it's only since university. So like after, way after it was out, 10 years later, I was like, yeah, actually, this is a great film. You know, this is a this is a really good film. And then going back and watching it to, to record today, yeah, just, I was like, I enjoyed it more this time than I ever have before. Really? And uh, yeah, and it's and it's weird. By the way, um, how do we make up for the weaknesses of Ghostbusters two and demonstrate to Hollywood that Ernie Hudson deserves a good role? How do we do that? <laughs> it's called The Crow because for me, the MVP in this is. Mr. Ernie Hudson. Well, it's got, you know, it's, it's got a great, uh, I for, I've, you know, I've seen it so many times, but yeah, it's only until watching it again, you forget. We'll have to give time and sing a call. Um, yeah, you've got Ernie Hudson, the the amazing. Sally. Yeah, you've got uh, <laughs> David yep. Practic uh, Kelly as, what's he called? Um, Sally. T-Bird, Joe Polito, you know, is the greasy um, porn yeah, shop the, owner. Yeah. He was always a greasy bad guy. And the amazing Michael Wincott. I think I said in a previous podcast episode, he was Michael Winslow. That's the voice guy from Police Academy, not to be confused. But yes, Michael Wincott with the amazing voice. I just love it how he turns up in these films. Like, he so looks so evil. Like he's one of those people that, even though you know he's an actor, he's a Destined. normal person. If you met him in real life, like, I don't want to talk to him. Why? Because he looks fucking evil. He does. Looks he's and evil. sounds evil. Just that gravelly voice. And he's... Can we talk about the voice? Can we talk about how the accent comes and goes a bit? That's the only criticism of I, ha- I have of him because it is a, in the first the first time he arrives in this film, he puts on this accent. It's like some southern sort of thing. My daddy. Like, Whoa. No, I was like, he really can do accents. Like, this is impressive. And the only thing that annoyed me is that when he's doing the round table, he's completely like what we've seen in, uh, I talked about him recently and t- he turned up in the more recent, versions of 24 and yeah. like, he started off as a good guy so he's 
I normally seems a bad guy, but he's a good guy in 24. A good guy in 24 is as much as of a bad guy you ever can see. You know, it's just yeah. like, oh, and, uh, and sure enough, he turns. And another <laughs> spoiler, person, spoiler. Another person that turns up in 24 is Michael Massey, the guy who plays Fun Boy. He was Ira Gaines in, uh, you know, the guy, the other guy with the really uh, voice. Just gonna whisper really loudly. So yeah. it sounds sexy and cool. No, so um, Tony Todd, the uh, the Candyman, and this just shows that he was a physical presence and was could act as well. That's what I wanted to say about Brandon Lee. Just, just, just one thing I want to say is that the difference between him, at, like you know, Bruce Lee wanted to take martial arts and do make films and like. I think there was a lot of companies that wanted Brandon Lee to do the Bruce Lee thing, and he was like. He picked projects like The Crow. Yeah. You know, he wanted to be different. He wanted to be seen as doing something different. The only thing I'd back that up with is that in these set pieces in this film, the guy can kick ass. If you see the backflips he's doing and stuff, it's like... No, uh, well, that's it, though. I think it's I think, like he obviously had all of the moves, and it's like, oh my god! Imagine if someone had thrown him a JCVD career. Like we would have had like twenty-five films from this guy. The thing that I, I've put down in my notes, it's it's everything above that. Yes, he's a talented martial artist, but it's the fact that he's so charming in this. There's so much pathos. There's Dashing. anger, anger, loss, <laughs> and and pain. You know, it's it's a real tour de force and it's a real star making turn and it just that's what makes it so sad watching it again it's just it just reminds you like he was so talented and it's such a performance that you could see why when the tragedy happened everyone was like no we've got to finish this film for him we've got to do it because you know it's it's such a great performance well yeah for me i couldn't i've forgotten and you're probably going to fill us in on this because when I was growing up, I always thought it was like, oh, yeah, you know, the thing is he got shot during the filmmaking and it, and it becomes really obvious. And you're like, so what, like at the end of the film? Oh, yeah, he didn't make it to the end of the film, so he doesn't make it to the end of the film. And watching it again, I'm like, no, the entire third act, he's there. He's there. So there's obviously other bits of the film where they've made up for it. Yeah. But so it works. It didn't, it didn't affect it for me. You know? do, you, do, you want, do you want me to get into that? I know it's it's fairly morbid but we'll talk about what happened to brandon lee for people that aren't in the know when it came out pre-internet and lots of rumors going around but essentially what happened was there was a scene it was it was actually the scene when eric draven gets killed at the start of the film so there's a, a magnum that fun boy is using and they used it in one scene to show that it was like a loaded gun. So what they do is they do, um, you know, dummy bullets. So they basically take out, the, you, you can like, they're specially made bullets that are purely for like display just to show like, oh, it looks like there's, there's bullets in that gun. But because they were cu- cutting corners and it was, uh, they were up against it production wise, they didn't have time to buy dummy bullets. So there's um, apparently this guy, Dave Brown, who's a, a firearm safety specialist, was on something called Film Courage, and he was going into detail on it. So, yeah, the prop crew had to make their own dummy bullets by using live rounds, cutting off the tips and unloading the gunpowder. Then the bullets were loaded into the gun. The The problem is that the cartridges' primers were intact, so at some point the actor handling the gun pulled the trigger and one of the tips of the bullets got lodged in the barrel. The scene was over, and then two weeks later, they, they're filming the scene when 
uh, Eric Draven gets killed by the gang. Him, uh, him and Shelley get killed in the apartment. And they they picked up the same gun and they hadn't checked if anything was stuck in the barrel and they loaded it with blanks. And apparently blanks can contain up to much as twice as much gunpowder as a normal live round. And there's also conflicting reports. So apparently, and this came up recently with the whole Alec Baldwin thing, apparently there's such a thing as cheating the angle even though it's a prop gun or firing blanks you never point directly at someone you point a little bit off and they trick it with the camera yeah and, and apparently michael massey the actor who you know who plays fun boy there's conflicting reports some people said he wasn't told to cheat the angle and some people said he did but he he didn't for whatever reason he pointed the gun directly at him the the blank charge went off hit the bullet tip lodged in the barrel and it basically acted like a real bullet and so brandon lee was shot in the stomach and it lodged in his spine he fell over and obviously they thought he was acting and then when he didn't get up they all rushed over to him and saw he was clearly bleeding and they rushed him to hospital and he they operated on him for five hours and gave him gallons of blood but he he just bled out basically proper tragedy and he was due to get married the the following week, which is really tragic as well. So that's why it's dedicated to him and his fiance. So yeah, Sp- it's spooky. Yeah, it's it is really scary. And apparently, there's there's also reports that like apparently he was Brandon Lee was obsessed with the notion of death. Obviously, what happened to his dad? He was surrounded by that. Uh, you know, his dad's legacy, and he even said to somebody, apparently, oh, "I'm going to die young, like my dad." Whilst there's loads of rumours out there that obviously the, the footage of of that was completely dest- destroyed, so they've obviously worked around it in the film. The the cast and crew were determined to finish the film because apparently you only had three days left of filming to do. To do. Guys, can we just chip on that? So, like, for some reason, I remember growing up, it was obvious where he'd been cut. This time, he's in the third act. I couldn't spot where. And there's obviously scenes where they're using somebody else. They filled so, out the film. Yeah. So I, I couldn't spot it this time. So it's, it's really I think well it does done. its job. It does its, it does its job. So what they did was, yeah, they had to basically do a bunch of rewrites and they added in the narration by Sarah. They dropped a whole subplot. There was Skull Cowboy, who's basically like his spirit guide saying he has to stay on his mission of revenge otherwise he'll lose his powers that that was that was dropped but yeah essentially whilst this was going on paramount were due to distribute the film and they were like because of what had happened with brandon lee and because it was a violent film they're like oh we're not we're we're dropping out of it so miramax came in picked it up put in some additional budget to get the film finished and this is when our, our friend Chad Stahelski comes in so Chad Stahelski was brandon lee's friend but he was also a stunt double and because he had similar build and look to Brandon Lee he was used as a body double and there was a special effects company called Dream Quest that came in to help complete the missing scenes and it's yeah mainly scenes at the start so when he's returning to his apartment when he's come back from the dead you see him walk into the apartment they've actually cut that out from a different scene where he's walking down an alleyway so they, that's footage of Brandon Lee. But then the stuff when he's painting his face in the mirror, that's, again, they've taken footage of Brandon Lee and digitally inserted it. So quite actually groundbreaking stuff for the time. 
And then there's the bit where he walks towards the camera and he's the first time where he's put on the makeup and he's got the crow on his shoulder. That is Chad Stahelski, but they've digitally mapped Brandon Lee's face. So when the lightning flashes, you just see Brandon Lee's face. So it's all clever. very clever stuff they've done with like shadows. Obviously, it's such a dark film. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some of the stuff when he's going across the rooftops that might be uh, no, I was Chad Stahelski. Well, I would imagine that yeah. that is. But what I want to say about that that chase scene is that it still stands up to today. It's like what's interesting is that pre and during, like we're talking about late nineties, mid nineties to late nineties. Like CJ was it was arriving, and the ones who went all in, it looks bad today. The ones mm. who just used it a little bit, you're like give him respect and this film uses it where it needs to and i think it expands the story i think it takes somewhere it takes you somewhere that you would you couldn't go it went further than you could with a, a matte painting of gotham which tim burton used to he created an entire feeling with but this goes the crow's vision of flying through the town like I don't yeah know, the way that some of the like the the car chase scenes with with t-birds really well done it feels really sort of telescopic vision sort of type thing is well, really look, well look done. Look how much they were in it back because like this is 994 and we would be waiting to what, 2000 for Gladiator. Yeah, that's what I was thinking you know, as well you, with you the know, Oliver like Reed those, stuff. No, but we were, and there was that and the fact that we were talking about these like these sweeping views of grand vistas and stuff. Yeah. And you look at what they're doing here like, okay, I mean, this was, as you said, this is sort of, when was Reign of Fire? I think it was like... Reign of Fire was 2000, I think. Yeah, so that's the same climate. CGI, but I'm saying, you know, um, Phantom Menace. You know, yeah, but the, the, there are there are there are people who do it well. There are people who don't don't rely on it, and there are people who rely on it and do really badly. So, um, anyway, uh, what else is there to say about the uh, in terms of? I love how economic it is, how short it is, how to the point it is. I like the, how quickly it escalates. As I said before, I don't think there's three acts. This film feels to me like there's two. There's like him mm. on a revenge mission and then him getting caught. And Yeah, no, I, I do love slow burn revenge, you know, oh, gothic, the, the, the boardroom. But I love how cliched it is, like how that, that sweeping shot where it's just like, Guns, money, drugs, booze, and they're all just like loading up. Um, I do have one one question. What is Top Dollar's plan? Because I've got it's what was it from? Basically, burn down the city plus blank equals money. <laughs> We've got to go bigger. We've got to go you, bigger. You have me thinking. So the first plan was let's burn everything to the ground. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, oh, oh! Is is that because in your back pocket you've got some investors who are going to give us billions?" No. So well, what are we? What are we going to do after we burn everything down? We will do nothing. And it's like, what's yeah, well, this, uh, you say, what is his plan? What is what? What is Brandon Lee getting in the way of? Like, apart from just like murder, like there's no master plan. Well, I thought that's it is. Is, is it a Lex Luthor thing? Is it like real estate? But it's just like, no, we just want to burn down the place. So re- recently on Patreon, we did cover, we did look into the plot points of the famous Bond films. And I think if this was a Bond film and we were looking at the plot point, we'd be picking serious holes. Yeah. In this but, guy's that, but it is, it is an afterthought, isn't it? Because it's like he's got revenge on everyone. Well, everyone, but uh, what's he called? Skank. Skank. So he's like a, a, Scooby, a Scooby-Doo character. <laughs>
he is seriously he's like a walking talking plot device it's like we need you to be in a car we need you to catch up with the car chase we need you to demobilize the police that are changing we need you to survive that we need you to witness a murder we need you to be at the table we need you to be at the bait do you know what i mean he no, very but I do, quickly I do. becomes the MacGuffin. but i do love the point when like he's trying to recount the story to top dollar and he's just like <laughs> just goes maybe we should be recording this <laughs> just like watch it in slow motion yeah, yeah exactly um, so um we he has popped up i think am i right in thinking the first time he popped up on the podcast would be for robin hood yes cousin cousin born yeah, I mean, I love this actor. I say when he's, he, I think 24 does him a great service. Like he starts off being a good guy and then he turns, but everybody in 24 fucking turns on everybody in 24. But he does it so well. And you're like, oh, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with him being a good guy. Oh, he's a bad guy. Oh, no, oh, I'm, to- I feel I'm, to- feel I'm totally on board now. Yeah, so. Um, um, no, he popped up. I haven't seen it yet, but apparently he's one of the, uh, he's a nope. You know, Jordan Peele's new film. I can't wait to see that because I have, uh, if I'm completely honest, I've got, I've just bought uh, Get Out. Can you believe it? Have you seen this? Have you seen yeah. Get Out? I have seen Get Out, yes. I haven't, I've been putting it off because as has come up on the podcast before, George and I don't jump all over horrors. It's, it's very get- well done. It is. It's a great film. I think Get Out's going to be more of a, a thriller for me. Yeah. Uh, than, a, than a horror uh, and yeah I just I think I was putting it off because I wanted to watch for Louise and then I explained to her so I've got no interest in watching this and I was like I'm going to have to watch this first and then yeah I, I think I actually watched it on the way back from your 40th massively hung over on a Eurostar <laughs> and just like you know when you you sort of um, was anxiety I giving, was I giving out for was I giving out DVDs to everybody who left hey get home you're a bit old you don't get a party bag with lollies and ice creams no here's it, a DVD here's a depressing film to watch watch no but you know your, when you on your trip home you know when you're hung over your your anxiety your fear levels are already quite high anyway so watching like a really tense sort of film on a trailer <laughs> so uh, this is too anyway. tense let's just you, you, you got to get back to your daughter let's just pop on arrival yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not again so, not Where again. are we? Uh, is it about time? I've got. Sorry, uh, I've got. I was going to say says, the only thing Jurassic about- Park actor and a ninety. 90- I've, I've got one last thing about the ending. Just saying, I thought it's a little bit too Burton's Batman. Let's go to let's go up the tower. And it's just I've seen this before, um, but it is you know it's it's a cool fight in the rain on the rooftop. But yes, let's get in. Let's release uh, Jeff and Celine. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. So, coulda, woulda, shoulda is where George enlightens us and lets us know the other talent that was considered, but for whatever reason, did not fall into the plans of fate. Apparently, there's there's a few that kind of, you know, make sense. Um, So, Johnny Depp was one of the first choices. Uh, River Phoenix, Christian Slater. Uh, so both, apparently both River Phoenix and Christian Slater turned it down. But this is, this is a good one, Charlie. So early on in its production, um, James O'Barr, the guy who made the comic, said, 
a studio executive recommended signing Michael Jackson for the role because he was quite keen. And uh, James Obar just laughed at the, the studio exec and, and he basically says, that's how it is in Hollywood. It's like there's this beautiful tree and every dog that comes by has to piss on it. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how far MJ got, but can, can you imagine The Crow starring MJ? <laughs> <laughs> um, to do, there would have to be a, a musical number in the middle and that, that would take it away yeah, a, a 15 minute musical detour so apparently uh, other roles apparently Cameron Diaz was offered the role of Shelley but turned it down because she didn't like the script and we don't get to see much of Shelley like I say like we don't well, get again, much to see of him being non-crow is that because he I, died I, because yeah, it was I, planned I th- to be shot I think, yeah, a lot of the flashback stuff was cut because, yeah, it's they had... It's all we've got. It's all yeah. we've got. Sweaty, lunatic Iggy Pop was supposed to play Fun Boy, but had to decline because he was on tour. But he would go on to star as, I think, the main villain or one of the villains in the sequel, The Crow City of Angels. So I suppose that takes me into suspicious spin-offs. So, yeah, they, they quickly made a, a sequel, uh, City of Angels, uh, with French actor Vincent Perez. Or Van, yeah, Vincent Perez. Louise was telling me about this. Her, her um, fandom extends into knowing and probably watching the French yeah. version. Then there was The Crow Salvation, which uh, Kirsten Dunst was in. And then finally, there was The Crow Wicked Prayer in 2005 with what's he called? John Connor, uh, Edward Furlong, and... Tara Reed and David DeBorian as, you know, from Angel, Buffy type thing. I'm just going to read out the um, the, the Rotten Tomatoes reviews for, for The Crow. Please and, do. And it's sequel. So The Crow, 1994, has uh, an 85% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. The Crow City of Angels has uh, 11%. Okay, I'm seeing a downward downward uh, spiral. But thirty-five only based on thirty-five reviews. The Crow Salvation has twenty percent, and the Crow Wicked Prayer, the one with Edward Furlong, has zero uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Is that plus or minus, or is it just zero? Just just flat zero. Um, oh my god! But uh, I have to. Uh, Give a little shout out. So a uh, good friend of, of us, of the podcast, uh, Mr. George Feeney, this, uh, the crow, the original crow is. Hello, George. Uh, hello, George. Is, is one of his, uh, his favorite films. And yeah, we watched it a lot growing up. So I asked, I reached out to him because I knew he would be, he'd definitely be listening to this episode. And I said, you know, let's know what your thoughts. And m- most importantly, I think he's such a diehard fan. He has sat, suffered through all the sequels. So uh, George had this to say. He says, um, one of the best films I've ever seen for atmosphere, action, and a killer soundtrack. If you like revenge films, then this is one of the best, if not the best. I wouldn't be in a hurry to watch any of the sequels. To say they fall short in comparison would be a bit of an understatement. Wow. So so there you have it. But that does lead me on to they've essentially been trying to remake the original Crow since 2008. And uh, everyone. So these are the the actors that have been either involved or approached. So Mark Wahlberg, Bradley Cooper, Channing Tatum, 
James McAvoy, Tom Hiddleston, Alexander Skarsgård, Luke Evans, Jack Houston, uh, one of the closest people um, that, uh, that got down to doing makeup tests was Jason Momoa. So I think that was back in tw- uh, like sort of 2017 with uh, British uh, filmmaker Corin Hardy. They were very close to doing it, and then they both left due to creative differences. I hate uh, you. But it's currently just finished production, so they have made it. They've been filming in Prague uh, with Bill Skarsgård, not Alexander Skarsgård. So Bill, not, Skars- Ske- not Skellen Skarsgård, not not Stellan Skarsgård, because he's <laughs> getting on a bit. Stellan um, skateboard. Stellan skateboard. <laughs> um, but Bill Skarsgård, so he's the guy that was it. He's playing. Eric Draven, and it's directed by Rupert Sanders, who was behind Snow White and the Huntsman, but also the Ghost in the Shell remake. Yeah, we we, we shall see. I mean, it was one of those like doomed projects. I say they were trying to make it for almost almost 20 years. It looks like they finally got around. But whether, you know, just because they finished filming, let, you know, let's look at Batgirl doesn't mean it's a guaranteed to come out. So... You know, it's a cursed, it's a cursed project. So who knows what, whether it will make it to the cinema, whether it will make it to Netflix. But yes, they have just finished a filming on uh, the remake. Well, I mean, just to finish the talk on spinoffs, how do you know you've made something successful? Well, the fact that you've made IP that people want to replicate, they want to do more of that. I think, you know, we will say the highest form of flattery is imitation. You know, so yeah. that, that that's what this comes down to. So it's it's a shame they haven't done it right. But the fact that people yeah, I mean, throw and they're like, we need to do another one is says a lot. And it's a testament to, you know, uh, Brian, going back to Brian Lee's performance that, you know, and I think that's what Alex Proyas has said is like, you, you can't replicate that. You know, you, it's such a it's such a great performance. He, you know, he really made that character. And yeah, they've tried to, whilst they haven't tried to remake Eric Draven's story, it's always been different people that have come back as another crow. It feels, oh, I forgot to say there was, I was reading about um, some unmade crow movies. <laughs> and fan fiction no 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 there is um there was one that was by rob zombie that was going to be it's not just the, the clever names the, the, my name is actually zombie um the crow 2037 which was about a young boy and his mother are murdered by a satanic priest a year later he's resurrected by the crow but then 27 years later he is unaware of his past. He's become a bounty hunter for, for reasons. So that was... So what, he's resurrected again? So yeah, no, it's, it's, it's basically <laughs> like he's been a crow, but he forgot he was accepted. Died, and then I, I woke up as a bounty hunter. And it's set in the future for reasons. But the better one, Charlie, get this. The Crow Lazarus. In July 2000, rapper DMX had been in discussions about making a fourth Crow film. And it's about a rapper who chooses to leave the music scene for the love of a woman and is killed in a drive-by shooting. He's then reincarnated as a Crow to take revenge. Production was slated to begin in November 2000, but ultimately the project never came to be, sadly. I mean, because at that time, DMX was in Romeo Must Die, 
Gonna lose my mind. Lose and, my mind. And then he went on to uh, exit wounds with Seagal. So he was hot property then, but we never got the crow with DMX. So yes, uh, I, well, a very think, suspicious spinoff. But it's like when you know that making it is getting in a film with, you know, Seagal, you know you're living in the 90s. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure I've got anything else to say. Well, no, no, there was something I wanted to say. I lo- well, I love its brevity. I love the fact it's more 40. I, like <laughs> in, in the world of today, some of the best films are under two hours. They're like, get the job done. Well, time will tell whether the, the new one, what time that comes in at. It better not be over two hours. Um, no, I do not like. If you're going over two hours, you've got to do a good job. Unless you you're Christopher Nolan, Denny Villeneuve, Ridley Scott. Well, they can do it. Well, that's the thing. They, can do, they can do a good job. I don't know the directors who take two hours, 30, and give us that could have been much shorter. Here's looking at you, Marvel. I'm really glad we have covered this. I think it's, it's a great action comic book, gothic film whatever we want to call it it is it is really tragic you know just a reminder of how you know potentially how brilliant brandon lee could have been and yeah as you say it's what if you know if he'd stayed alive what his career would have turned into would it would have been you know but it could have gone either way you know look at you know dolph lundgren he's done some films but mainly sort of into b-movie territory but I honestly think, you know, he, Brandon Lee had the chops. He had it all, you know, as you say, he was martial artist, good looking guy. And he was in this, you know, he's really proving his acting chops. So yeah, it's, it's a huge, you know, what if, um, everything you see, everything he does, all of his line delivery, all I'm saying, George, I mean, I just, just, just being fair to both actors that I just think you probably, Brandon Lee would probably say sorceress. You know, I, I I don't think he'd be chewing. So, but I think that's what impressed me the most about this is like we're not showered in. It's an action film, but like you know, you see these bits in the third act where he's doing backflip. You know, he's doing the yeah. the knee flip where he launches off the floor. And he's doing loads of moves. There's some double gunning and all of that, and you're like, whoa! And but it's about ten minutes. This film is that. Yeah. The rest of it is very stylized, slow-paced stuff. And you're kind of like, like, oh, no, but we need to give them a big, big kick-ass thing at the end. Yeah. And then there's a, you know, so I don't know. No, I am, what I'd like to do off the back of this, and I know we, we, we mentioned it on Patreon, but yeah, for, for recent ramble, for our next sort of, or one of our next patron specials, I wouldn't mind uh, going back and checking out his other films. So we talked about Showdown in Little Tokyo with with Dolph. And we have to cover that because that seems to, like, They Live and Showdown in Little Tokyo are two films that George and I have not watched. And I think they're right up our street. I'm going to love them. Well, it's the same director as Commando. So how can you, you know, how how can can you you go wrong? So yeah, I think I think that's all we can say on the film. Check it out if you haven't seen it. Let us know in the comments on, you know, online, on Facebook, on Twitter, what you think of it. Have and yourself yeah. have yourself a good Halloween or have yourself an even better Devil's Night if you can do it a night before. And you know, sometimes Halloween falls on a weekend, like, you know what, let's just do Devil's Night just this once. Let's just burn everything to the ground. Just burn it once. all. Burn it all. 
thank you for listening if you do enjoy this podcast please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice or even better recommend us to a like-minded soul i've been charlie mcgee i've been george mcgee this has been retro ramble and we'll see you on the next one bye-bye bye-bye